All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special crossover episode of Full Steam Ahead and the Boiler Breakdown podcast. I'm your host of Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue, Adam Bartels. And joining me on this episode is Tanner Lee, Evan Webb, and Andrew Eiler of the Boiler Breakdown podcast. Guys, how are you doing? Doing great, Adam. Thanks Good for having Adam. us. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. us. Yeah, no problem. This is awesome. And just an opportunity to kind of talk about each podcast and kind of cross promote each other, guys, because, hey, anytime we can promote the Purdue brand, it's a good thing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, hey, before we kind of just jump into talking about a lot of Purdue sports, let's kind of just get some introductions for each side to kind of uh, just talk about each other's podcasts. So we'll start with you guys, kind of each take a turn introducing yourself and your connection to Purdue. Yeah. I'll, I'll take this one since I'm the oldest. I'll go first. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Boiler Breakdown. We started this podcast. Actually, Evan and I started it as a spinoff of one of my other podcasts. I do the Tin and J-Man show. And we just kind of had a weekly segment called The Boiler Breakdown. We talk Purdue every week. And then like I just 2018, said, I believe, is when it was. Yeah, I think it was 2018. Yeah. And then in 2019, I said, let's just make this a regular podcast Asked Andrew if he wanted to join us. Uh, all three of us grew up together in Rochester, Indiana. We're lifelong Purdue fans. And uh, we've just had a ball doing it ever since. We've had a few interviews here and there. But basically, we just try to record once a week during the football and basketball season. And we've loved seeing it grow and develop the last two years. Um, as far as becoming a Purdue fan, I really had no choice. I grew up around it. Uh, my dad went to Purdue. A lot of my family members went to Purdue. I grew up going to ball games. My parents uh, have seen tickets for football and basketball since I can remember. So I really didn't have a choice. Well, I did, but I didn't. So I went to Purdue from 2010 to 2014, graduated in December of 2014. And while I was there, I went to all the basketball games and football games. I even had the opportunity to be a football manager for two years in uh, under Danny Hope's last two years, 2011 and 2012. So that was an enjoyable time. And uh, now I'm a season ticket holder of a uh, football on my own. So, and a John Purdue club member. So. That's awesome. Cool. Tanner, how about you, Evan? Yeah. Um, a lot like Tanner, I really didn't have much of a choice uh, growing up. My dad also was a Purdue grad. Uh, he went uh, to school for pharmacy. He was there uh, the last time I went to a final four. Um, he has an infamous story. I'm not sure he wants me to tell, but about he almost hit Joe Barry, Joe Barry Carroll with his car. That's about all he tells me. How many um, times have you heard that story? Evan? Uh, too many to count. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just like Tanner, I went to Purdue as well. Um, I'm a year behind Tanner, so I went uh, graduated high school in 2011. I uh, went to school 2011 to 2015, graduated December 2015, did the four and a half year out. So Tanner and I, we both did the uh, half victory lap at Purdue. Um, graduated from Cranert, originally started out in pharmacy, realized pretty quickly that that was not my uh, forte nor my strong suit. Um, so I went to switch to uh, Cranert. Graduated in 2015, uh, moved down to Indianapolis right afterwards. Um, and yeah, I've been a fan my entire life. Uh, I, I tell some other podcasts I did last night, but I'm pretty sure my dad can't confirm, but I'm pretty sure my first pretty football game that I remember was the uh, Notre Dame breeze game where he did the, he was a helicopter for a split second going for two, but yeah, that's, yes, I've been going to games my whole life. Um, yeah. So it's been, it's been a lifelong, uh, sometimes torture but i love it that was my actually my first new game i went to and that yep. was my freshman year at purdue I'm nice i age myself i'm a little older than you. <laughs> <laughs> my freshman year uh, that man that game was that was awesome hey so. andrew how about you so kind of similar tanner and evan um grew up in rochester dad went to purdue grew up going to purdue football games kind of hard not to be a purdue fan when you're seven years old going to see drew Brees and ross mm -hmm. so uh, that was pretty cool. I uh, I actually did not go to Purdue. I actually went to Butler. I played golf at Butler. Was not good enough. Played golf at Purdue. So uh, had to go to Indianapolis. But it works out because Butler football is, um, we'll say, not Division One. So uh, it worked out that Purdue could still be my football team. And then basketball, unfortunately, they do play about every other year in the crossroads. It's always tough for me now. But um yeah, kind of growing up, always Tanner and Evan and I always talking about Purdue, going to games together, and yeah, bleeding up to this podcast, we always had that group text, and then it just kind of evolved into this yeah. podcast, so. That's awesome. Hey, if there's one other school in the state to go to, Butler's the one, right? I mean, we can't yeah. Butler. Yeah. That's the only, that's Nobody... the only school I applied to, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not going to the south, not going north. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I took a little bit of a different path myself. Uh uh, I did take the victory lap. I actually did a full fifth year because I 
was foolish or I don't know, foolish. I changed my mind, my mind, my major, uh, halfway through two and a half years. <laughs> and so, um, started in TCOM and then finished in film studies. So, uh, but I actually didn't grow up a Purdue fan. I grew up in Northwest Indiana. And uh, about the time I started watching and liking sports, I, uh, uh, Michigan football is good. The fab five was at Michigan. So I actually, anybody who probably listens to this podcast regularly, I've mentioned it a few times. I, I grew up a huge Michigan fan still cheer for them on the side, <laughs> but, uh, uh, my senior year of high school, so I didn't decide where I was going to go to school yet. My guidance counselor was like, well, you need to make a decision. You are a senior. <laughs> senior. <laughs> uh, so I applied a, a few places including Purdue and, uh, got accepted and fell in love with the campus, uh, immediately. Um, and then, like I said, yeah, I took five years there to finish. I met my wife there. So it's uh, a lot of good memories there and, uh, some friends that I still talk to today and, yeah, so that's how my Purdue fanship started. Uh, you know, not till 1999. So, so do you remember watching the battles between the Big Dog and the Fab Five? A little bit, a little bit, a little bit yeah. So, um, again, like I just wasn't as strongly familiar with Purdue at that time. I mean, I, I was watching sports by then, but mm-hmm. so yeah, a little bit. Uh, of course, you know, the Fab Five run was pretty, you know, pretty uh, sensational, and obviously sure. that stands out for several several reasons. But yeah. Um, but man, ever since I went to Purdue, it's just been, it's been. Forgot about that Michigan school, huh? <laughs> I'd like to say that, but I, I can't deny I still, you know, still root for them. And hey, that, yeah. you know, they got a good thing going up there, especially for mm-hmm. basketball now. I'm, I, yeah. I, this is, I'm trying to be non-biased, I think, and we'll get into maybe this a little bit later, but uh, I honestly think Purdue and Michigan could finish one, two in basketball this year. So I can see that. There's nothing wrong with that with me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, both schools hate Notre Dame, so we're good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I would like to think both schools hate Ohio State as well. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nobody likes Ohio State, right? Nope. <laughs> cool. Well, you kind of mentioned how the the, the podcast uh, started for you guys on your end, kind of a spinoff of the, uh, uh, your other podcast there. Um, Let's kind of talk about it. Obviously, the guys said you all mentioned up mentioned growing up as Purdue fans. Uh, just tell me about the Boiler Breakdown podcast. What you guys uh, talk about? What it's uh, about? Do you guys have guests on? Any of that? All that stuff? Yeah, we we normally we try to record at least once a week. Sometimes it's twice a week during football and basketball season. Uh, we usually recap games, preview games. Uh, last year during COVID, during the summer, we did have a few guests on. We were lucky enough to have Corey Sheets on, Travis Dorsch, Evan Boudreaux. Am I forgetting anybody or those are the only three? I think those are the, the, the big the three. three that we had. Yeah. Big three. I know we were talking about having some other guests come on and it just didn't really work out the timing, but we're, we're open to having guests on as well in the future. Uh, but we, we basically just do recaps and previews of games. And luckily we're see, as we're seeing this podcast grow, we get a lot of questions, whether it's on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, because we live streamed all three mm-hmm. of those um, at one time. Uh, and we don't really have a set day or time. It's just whenever our schedules yeah. can uh, collaborate there, uh, we kind of make it work. Um, and sometimes there's just, there's just two of us on the podcast. If one mm-hmm. of us can't do it, which is nice though, that two of us can kind of grab the ball and run with it. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, we'll have, I mean, we'll have some friends too. Like I know we will have our friend, Aaron Lynch, who's a, who's a fellow, right. fellow Purdue grad went to Rochester as well. Um, you know, he'll hop on if, you know, either just as a, as a fourth member or if one of us can't make it, we'll have, and we've got a good buddy who, who grew up with, who's a, you know, diehard Indiana fan, football and basketball, one of the rare, one of the rare ones. Um, and he'll usually come on. We've, we've had him on, I think, twice now, both years for to preview the bucket game. So he's always, he's fun to talk with because he's a, uh, he's uh, smart and is, is fair. Yeah, it. yeah, exactly. A more realistic guy. You yeah. <laughs> Not many of. And, and, and once in a while we'll do trivia shows. My dad yeah. likes to come on and be the moderator of those. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. We, we try to keep it loose and fun and interact with everybody who's watching. So it's a good time. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. My brother is an IU grad. So we, it's a, it's a friendly bro- brotherly uh, arrival right there too. Yeah. So, yeah. That's cool, man. Um, yeah. You, and you meant uh, that you guys like to do some trivia on your, uh, your podcast. Yeah. Too. You mentioned the live streams as well. So that's cool. I sometimes when I'm working, I try to catch some of that and watch some of that live and it's fun to just kind of mm-hmm. watch you guys interact on that as well. So I've enjoyed uh, following along your guys' podcast the last couple of years. You guys, you mentioned you started in 2018. Um, uh, Full Steam Ahead started in 2019. Uh, yeah, 2019. <laughs> June of, uh, <laughs> late May, June of 2019. Um, it was kind of, you know, 
around a time our station, we had a, a political podcast um, called In Focus that that was a, a, TV, a show that was on Sunday mornings and they just kind of also made it into a podcast. People just want to listen to it. And then we, they started a Colts podcast called The Blue Zone uh, after we became the Fox and CBS affiliate that is the official home of the Colts here at Fox 59 CBS 4. And so I just went to our news director at the time and said, hey, what do you care if I start a podcast? And he's like, about what? And I was like, about Purdue. It's like, okay, well, uh, well, if we do Purdue, we probably have to do the other Indiana schools as well. I was like, I mean, that's fine with me. I'm not, I'm not going to do them. <laughs> I'm talk about IU. I, mean, I can talk about Butler. That's fine. Like, I'm, I'm not going to at least promote IU anyway. Um, I was like, but hey, if other people want to join that, and we just do like a college, a campus yeah. kind of podcasting. But time went by and nobody else wanted to, to take those reins. So I finally got his blessing to kind of move forward. Um, started off with the, uh, the, the Trent family, uh, with Tony and Kelly Trent, of course. Anybody who's a regular listener of my podcast knows that Tyler Trent, a friend of the family and a huge inspiration to me. And I probably could say thousands, not millions of other people, obviously. Anybody who's a Purdue fan knows Tyler's story. Uh, but, you know, just his love for sports and sports writing just kind of inspired me just to do this, you know, not be afraid to try to start something. So also, I always kind of felt like in Indianapolis, there was more of an IU bias than a Purdue bias. Oh, 100%. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. In the local media. So I was like, hey, we got we to gotta put the Purdue brand out there. So mm-hmm. I had my uh, former news director, Matt Wagner, shout out to him. Uh, it's a blessing to kind of take this off. And I, you know, I got the Trent family to do a three-part episode to start the, the kick off the thing. And then I secured an uh, early interview with Mitch Daniels and then uh, Carson Edwards early on too. So that kind of got me off to a, to a good start to try to get some credibility there and uh, it's been fun. Hundred and I think you guys are going to be episode one fourteen or one fifteen somewhere wow. around. So like, nice. it's, been, it's been awesome. It's been really cool. Uh, like you guys, I try to do about one a week. Um, a couple of times during football season, I've done twice where I might do um, an education because mine focuses on like education, of course, sports, uh, happenings on campus, events, uh, research kind of thing. So I try to do a little bit of everything. So, so sometimes during like football or basketball season, I'll do uh a- a- academic episode but then also fit in a uh, relative sports episode as well so it's been, mm-hmm. been fun doing this last couple of years how do you come up with your guest list so various things um you know like obviously how this one formed out is reach out to you guys and see if you're interested in doing this a lot of the sports ones i'll reach out to somebody up at the athletics department to see if that's something possible or a former athlete i'll maybe reach out to la bloom or somebody else or chris foreman somebody might be able to help hook me up with somebody a former athlete um then i've had a lot of suggestions. There's a guy named Matt Oates up there who works for the communication staff and Tim Doty, who's a former colleague of mine here at the station uh, and Ethan Braden, who's also in the communication staff up there. They've pitched episodes to me and helped me get those set up and talking points and whatnot. So those guys have been a huge help. And if they pitch something my way, I usually take it. I mean, they're all, yeah. all interesting. Sure. Often tell people well, I've learned more about Purdue actually in the last two years <laughs> than I did in the five years I was on campus. So it's been been really cool, really educational for me, actually, just learning about a lot of the research and, and um, uh, schools and uh, alumni. That's the thing I've been trying to do the last year or so is feature a lot more alumni, too. It's been cool hearing uh, some of their stories as well. It's been awesome just getting to, to share those uh, with the listeners. I've learned a lot from listening to your podcast. <laughs> I, th- I think they've been great. So I've enjoyed them. I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Have been, I know you guys have liked or retweeted a lot of my episodes as well so i've been appreciate i appreciate you guys support and like i said i love listening to yours as well it's it's easy to talk and listen to produce sports and again just the produce story in general it's been it's been a real blast so that's for sure boilers helping boilers that's how that, I, that's, how, right. that's how i look at it <laughs> that's that's so true yeah um you guys mentioned a couple of guests if you don't mind i mean i've had so it's hard to narrow down you know when i've done 100 and what i say like 13 14 episodes a favorite guest. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't ask me. <laughs> My favorite <laughs> guest, but, but I mean, just to highlight a few. I mean, I just like I said, the Trent. Um, my 50th yeah. episode was David Blau. He was awesome. That was my first actual video episode as well. Um, after COVID kind of started, and I'd taken a few week break just to kind of collect myself and what was going to happen next with the podcast, because uh, as far as getting guests and everything, what was happening up on campus, and I was able to get uh, David Blau thanks to help with uh, from Tony Trent. And Blau, man, he's awesome. I mean, we all know yeah. what a great guy he is. And just yeah. uh-huh. getting to talk about uh, Purdue football, to, getting to talk about the Ohio State game, getting to talk about his relationship <laughs> with Tyler, and, and then, of course, his uh, journey so far at 
to that point through the, uh, the NFL. So he was awesome. Um, of course, I've had President Daniels on three times. He's been great uh, every time. Painter a couple of times. Uh, finally got Jeff Brom last year before yeah. the season started. Uh, John F. Gates, uh, a professor up there. I've had him on two or three times, mostly talking about just race relations and social justice. So that's been awesome. Just getting to hear those perspectives and have that conversation, um, uh, especially last summer with everything going on. So that was, he's been another favorite that I've enjoyed. Uh, done a lot of space related episodes because of course Purdue's the cradle of astronauts. So Absolutely. I try to get my little NASA magnet in there as well. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> love it. <laughs> Jerry Ross was my 100th episode, and oh, that's that, awesome. that, yeah. that was a really cool episode talking to him. Uh, and of course, anything sports, you know, I had Greg Goff on twice. He's mm-hmm. one of my favorite coaches. I love Coach Goff, and I've had Sh- uh, Coach Shundell on a couple of times as well. So yeah. I, could go, extension. <laughs> I yep. could go on and on, but uh, I mean, the list is exhaustive, but it's, it's been really cool just getting to meet and talk to and learn from a lot of these guys. Was there any guests that made you just like maybe pre-interview nerves more than another? Uh, of course, President Daniels, I think. Yeah. The, I mean, you want to press the, the, the president. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's such, he's such a laid-back, great guy. I mean, I, yeah. I got yeah. to cover him when I was still a videographer here, you know, when he was governor um, and a you know, big supporter of him at that time as well and enjoyed covering him at the state house. And then, so I was elated when he became uh, president of Purdue personally. Um but yeah, you, there's still definitely some nerves there. Uh, but he he made me feel pretty relaxed, and he asked me questions too before we even started. Yeah. Second time I interviewed him, I actually interviewed him in, in person. Uh, I, I did uh, one. This was really cool. I don't know if we get to do it again until things kind of relax with COVID. But uh, the first year I was doing it, so it would have been like fall of 2019. Um, I just went up on campus and recorded like four or five episodes in one day, and then released a couple of them as time went on. And I got to do Coach Painter that same day. So I went from President Daniel's office wow. to Coach Painter's office. <laughs> oh, that's and, cool. So that was that was a little nerve wracking because you want to impress impress them and show them that you're knowledgeable and and hopefully get another interview in the future, right? So, right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and then of course interviewing an astronaut, you want to, you don't want to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's probably pretty smart. He's going to make you pretty dumb <laughs> if you're not on your game. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's been a blast and um you know, just kind of working through the whole COVID, COVID thing too. And I, that's when I decided, like I said, to go to virtual interviews as well. So I do the video interviews go up on our website on Fox 59 and cbs4.com. And then audio, obviously, of course, on all the platforms you guys probably use as well. So yeah, it's been fun. Well, should we talk some sports? You're going to have to get, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, go ahead, Andrew. What were you going to say? I was going to say, you're going to have to get Spike Albrecht on or something like that. Get your Michigan Purdue connection. I did have Spike on a few months ago. Spike was awesome. I was, really looking forward to that episode and, yeah. I, and one of my best friends from purdue actually texted me because i have a good friend uh chris foil and i'll give him another shout he's listening i don't know if he's listening to every single episode i know he's listening to most if not all and he'll always text me hey love this episode love this episode yep. after the spike episode he's like uh next episode talk a little less about michigan <laughs> <laughs> so, that was great yeah spike was awesome and i love that yeah. he's now back with uh yeah. the basketball yeah. program this year too and he's such a good dude and I'm from the region. I don't know if I said that uh-huh. or not. Yep, the so, so I, I love having, I've had several region guys and actually one of my first interviews as well was somebody I graduated high school with, uh, Dr. Libby Richards, who uh, works at Purdue. So hmm. we are talking about back to school kind of stuff like that. Um, so it's kind of, it's been fun having some uh, local uh, connections up there as far as the region goes as well. So A lot of Purdue presence up there in the region. Yep. Gotta love it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Hey, well, all right, well, let's talk some, let's talk some sports. Let's do it. Well, we should talk. We probably start off with the one that's closest. We're less than two weeks away from Purdue football. What's your guys' thoughts? I, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been. It feels like it's been five years since I've been to that uh, double overtime heartbreaker in the bucket game two years ago. Double, triple. I don't even remember. I think it was double overtime. It might have been triple. Yeah. But e- either or. Yeah. Um, I just. I keep stressing. I think this is one of the most important games in the Jeff Brom era. I just think with the way. The schedule lines up for Purdue. They need to get off to a good start. And it starts week one against Oregon State, who's a program that's had its up and downs in the last decade. Um, I was doing some research the other day. I found it interesting that their defensive coordinator is Tim Tibisar, who used to be the defensive coordinator at Purdue in 2012. Mm. So, um, yeah, so a little little, little connection there. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Sorry. You can say a primetime game. Uh, so yeah. yeah exciting. I know the lights at uh, Ross A. Andrew, what were you going to say? I was going to say, sorry, Tanner, I had flashbacks and your most important game. It was all our eggs in one basket. I had the Cincinnati flashbacks in my head. Mar- Marshall. <laughs> it oh, was God. Marshall. Marshall, gosh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that's, that's... Sorry, that was bad flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Well, looking at the schedule, I printed this out. You got it here in front of me. I was just trying to prepare and say, well, what's, what's a realistic record this year? Uh, and I've got mine jotted down here as, Six and six. I'm curious what you guys think. I'm right there. I think yeah, I know we, we we've kind of talked in our group chat. I think just make a bowl. If, I don't care how you do it. Just don't lose a UConn. <laughs> but oh. yeah, make a bowl. I yeah. think a six and six is probably right. I think where we're at. Um, realistically, I mean, obviously we can steal one here or there. Um, but I think yeah, six is definitely should be the the bare minimum goal. Yeah, I, I think the realistic ceiling, unless if we're not going too crazy, would be seven and five. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be stealing two of them, probably that we shouldn't get. But uh, I'm right with Evan, uh, six and six, and you six and six. I think. Uh, I mean, I could definitely see five and seven, unfortunately, but that would be pretty disappointing. I think. I think to get the momentum back on track, they need to make a bowl game. Yeah, mm-hmm. Andrew, I'm I'm hoping for six and six. I think- <laughs> cautiously optimistic but I, I could also I'm with Tanner I could see four or five wins just not not an easy start I know we're yeah. in Connecticut Notre Dame is the non-conference you don't you don't throw a like Eastern Kentucky in there or somebody like that <laughs> you're gonna get the crap out of but uh, like some other schools will schedule but uh I mean six wins with the schedule I mean it's well, like a top five hardest schedule in the country that's yeah. that's that's pretty good yeah but then kind of yeah, at the same point, though, I mean, it's Ohio State, Wisconsin. I mean, those are the two, obviously. And Notre Dame probably is always tough. I mean, Iowa's going to be tough. But, like, outside of, I guess, those two, three games, I mean, Purdue should have a somewhat decent chance as long as things don't blow up. Yeah. And we've played Iowa well under Brom. Yeah. I mean, beat them last a, year. Yeah. Obviously, it was before they kind of caught fire last year. But, I mean, we've yeah. we've got a good record against yeah. Iowa under Brom. Th- three and one under Brom yeah. against Iowa. So. Yeah. That's been, yeah, very good there. And Andrew, you mentioned the four that I had as what I felt like would be losses, Notre Dame, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Ohio State. Uh, I had question marks next to Nebraska at, on the road, Michigan State yep. at home, Northwestern on the road, and then, of course, Indiana <laughs> at home. It's crazy to think, like, Indiana at home would be a debatable game, but that's where we're at now. <laughs> uh, it's hard to stomach. So, but, I mean, yeah. I think that's four games that could go either way that I think at least should be competitive games and, you know, mm-hmm. Bounces our way, for lack of better terms, that you never know. So I, I know luck. I know one I got circled, and it's it, it's Minnesota. Yeah, I mean we had them last year. Had them. We all know what happened. Payne Durham got yeah. called for pushing off, but yeah, with air quotes. But uh, uh, that's just one team. It seems like we we just haven't got them in a while, and and, and I think that's going to be crucial if if, if we want to get the six wins that game right there. Yeah, it's they- homecoming. Um, hopefully we're three and one at yeah. the worst going into that game. And it's a team that aside from Wisconsin, that's who we need to at Wisconsin Northwestern mm-hmm. that we have to be, if we want to even be considered a, you know, contender for the West. We, we, we've obviously proved against Iowa you know, we've proved it against Nebraska a few times, but you know, those top tier teams of Wisconsin Northwestern and I mean, Minnesota obviously two years ago, they were really good. Um, but it's just a team, a team we have to beat that we just haven't been able to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to preface this next question by saying I, I really, really love Jeff Brom, but if they win, but. if they win five or less games, in your opinion, is he on? Does he become on the hot seat, especially with that contract he's got? Yeah, I don't think I don't think he gets fired, but I think his seat gets very hot going into next year. Um, if if Purdue was to fire him, I would think they'd have to win only like two games, one or two games, then maybe. But I don't see that happening. The team would have to quit. Yeah, I'd have yeah. To, it, yeah. they'd get blown out. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think he knows the pressure's getting cranked up, and that's why he made all the changes to the yeah. defensive coaching staff. Yeah, I was going to say, he definitely did everything he could within his power, trying to bring in some uh, better players and, of course, changing up some of the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so hopefully those will be enough. Yeah. And, and I that, definitely think he's on the hot seat this year, but it could get a little warmer. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's the big question mark. We have no idea – what the defense is going to bring. I mean, a whole new coaching staff. I mean, you got Mark Hagan back. Uh, 
Ron English is added to the staff. Uh, Brad Lambert. Brad Lambert. Thank mm-hmm. you. I couldn't remember his first name. <laughs> Brad Lambert and some other some other uh, additional staff, new yeah. defensive staff there too. So, uh, I mean, Big George. He sounds hungry. He's he's healthy. He's ready to go. I listened to an interview he did yesterday with Barstool Sports, and he said the goal's over fourteen and a half sacks for the season. So if he can get wow. that many, if he can get that many, uh, I think Purdue's defense will be make some money. Shape. Yeah. <laughs> it's a... Yeah. So, and I mean, I, how many years did Brom was Brom a head coach before Purdue at Western Kentucky? Just a couple years as a head coach. Three, I think, oh, right. Two or three, three, or four, three, three. Yeah. Two or three. I was three. thinking. So, I mean, he's kind of still figuring it out. I mean, if you're firing a coach every five years, not really giving him a chance to build it. So hopefully, I mean, I think you got to give him, this year, next year, at least definitely for sure to kind of get his guys and system and kind of figure it out. Yeah. I believe he's only produced fifth coach in the history of the football program to reach year five. Wow. Jeez. Hmm. Yeah. You got to think about the fact, you know, like last year was, a you know, you just throw out everything last year. That was yeah. just wacky. But in the year before, so snake bitten with injuries. I mean, I, I, when I talked to him before last season, I had asked him, you know, you ever seen it where I think all his captains, maybe all but one captain, missed most or all of the season in uh, 20, 2019. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, 2019. Yeah. And, and you your two best, yeah. arguably your two best players go down on the same play. Same you know, play. <laughs> on a little <laughs> dump off, like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and, you know, Bailey goes down in practice and kneels her, you know, I yep. mean, you're, it's hard to survive that any at any program, especially a program that doesn't have, you know, depth like an Ohio state or a Michigan or Wisconsin, you know, to, to make up for that. So I, I cut them. I definitely at least <laughs> a little more willing to cut them some slack in the, in that season too. Cause I was just caught a lot of bad breaks that year for sure. I'm glad you brought that up though. Cause I feel like a lot of the Purdue fan base has kind of turned on Jeff and forgets. I mean, yeah, last year we can kind of throw it out, out of the, out of the books, but they forget 2019 how injured that team was. And, I mean, what was the touchdown streak? 22 consecutive touchdowns by freshmen. That's, oh, yeah. that's pretty absurd. So, um, so hopefully the only, I guess the, yeah, the only argument they really have, though, is that Nevada game when we were pretty much full string, which was just – I still can't comprehend what happened. I was watching it, and I don't remember – I don't even know what happened. But, but yeah, like, yeah, it's – yeah, the last two years have just been bizarre, and obviously you don't want to make excuses, but there's a lot of reasons why I think the seasons went the way they did. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, I'm also curious on what you guys will what you guys think about the uh, the QB battle. <laughs> I know this is a I think a contentious topic for you guys. Uh, and who, I know there's some people who don't like Jack Plummer in this room, uh, but uh, <laughs> not in this room. No, that's the person's not here right now. Okay. That, that, that's one of our special guests. Sometimes. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> very very opinionated. <laughs> All right. Well, that said, oh God. who's who's starting uh, next Saturday night? I think Plummer. I think Jack Plummer. If you would have asked me about a month ago, I would have said Aiden O'Connell, but I've Same. I've I've changed my tone. I mean, Jeff Brom hasn't really given too much away, but if you listen to his comments, you got to think he wants somebody who can run a little bit mm. and move move around the pocket. And unfortunately, Aiden Aiden throws a good ball, but he just doesn't have that mobile uh, attribute really. Yeah. Well, see, I feel like we said the same thing last year, though, where we thought Jack was going to be the clear, and then it was first game, it was O'Connell. And, I mean, it becomes because, I mean, Brom is all about, I mean, he's a passing team, and he likes mm-hmm. it out, and O'Connell, O'Connell can do that. So, I agree. I think it's Plummer, but yeah, I think we'll see both of them. I, I have a thing, too. I mean, he, he has mentioned many times he's not afraid to play two or more quarterbacks. Yeah, I think the interesting, the wild card's Austin Burton. Um I don't think it's out of a crazy left field, I guess, that we could see Plummer start next Saturday, but Burton have a package or two that consists of the option or something kind of kind of nutty that we haven't seen. Yeah. I'd love to see a game. I don't know if that's going to happen against Oregon State. Maybe UConn, hopefully. Of course, when does Purdue ever really blow up people anymore? Uh, but never. it would be nice to get a taste. I mean, uh, maybe that's a bad thing if, you know, Purdue fans, you know, the back of course is always the favorite player. So right. I, I want to see Burton. I want to see what he's got yeah. in live action for Purdue. I, I like, I mean, I, I agree. I think Plummer's starting, but I do want to, I am interested in what uh, Austin Burton brings to the table too. I mean, he's got to bring something or, I mean, they just don't go out and 
recruit and try to find a uh, a transfer quarterback out there in the portal unless unless they when you like already him. had two solid QBs that have started. Yeah, it was yep. it was pretty bizarre. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, I'm probably gonna butcher his last name, Alamo or Alamo or whatever. Yeah. Do you think he's a factor? Or do you think he's still a year or two away? I think he's still a year or two away. I was. It's actually funny you brought that up. I had a friend of mine, a Purdue fan, text me. I thought Alimo was supposed to be the stud. I said, I think he's going to be good. But I said, he's just, he's a redshirt freshman. I said, how often do freshmen come in and start right away for Purdue? Basically yeah. never. So, I mean, it's just, it's just part of it. And then next year we'll have another good high talented freshman and Brady Allen coming in. Yeah. So it's just kind of, it's one of those revolving doors all the time. Yep. For sure. And that's, that's another reason you don't want to see anything negative happen to Brom too, because he's, he's bringing, he's getting some recruits and especially at the quarterback now, especially yeah, with Brady Allen, you, you don't want to, see a coaching change and then him, you know, shift gears and follow him out the door as well. So yeah, future is at least, I think there's, I think, Hey, I think there's at least depth there now that position, if the unfortunate incident, another injury, as we saw the last couple of years where we've gone down to the third, even fourth string quarterback that, um, you know, I think there's at least some talent at in depth there. uh, You know, if that, that happens injury wise, or like you said, if they want to throw out some packages uh, featuring some of the other guys as well. So uh, any other position battles that you guys are interested to see how they play out? I'm really intrigued at the wide receiver. Obviously, we know Bell and Milton, right? Or probably your two, one and two. But I'm really interested to see how some of these other guys fit into the mix. Obviously, you've got um, TJ Sheffield, who will probably be in the slot. You know, Anthrop is, you know, Mr. Reliable, will be out there in some capacity. Um, but then guys like, I mean, this I'm hearing a lot of great things about Brock, Th- Brock Thompson from the Marshall transfer. Marshall. Uh, yeah, so it's like where he fits in. Um, I know we, we've talked about him in the past, but we'd love to see somehow Marcellus Moore get on the field because he's quicker than lightning, it seems like. Um, not sure, you know, in terms of how physically he's ready he is for football, for Big Ten football, but, I mean, you can't teach speed like that. So just getting on the field in some capacity. But, yeah, got, I mean, the wide receiver room has, has been under Brom the last couple of years. is just absolutely stacked. and just curious to see how some of these guys – fit into the mix yeah marshawn rice is one i'd watch yes. wide receiver room. Yeah. everybody's praising him he's been really banged up his first two years at purdue so mm-hmm. i mean i mean you look back at that wide receiver class itself that it was so deep and so talented yeah. so hopefully we now start seeing the guys get on the field i mean and even like, not, like, sorry go ahead dan you're not going to replace rondell Moore. i mean nobody yeah. is but luckily i still think that's Purdue's strongest position group is wide receiver and you got also, with the name David Bell or something like that. He's, he's pretty good. He's pretty yeah. good. Not bad. There was a, I mean, even I was hearing good things, at least around the first scrimmage that Preston Terrell from Brownsburg, yeah. that he was, I think, making some good plays. But obviously, I don't know where he'll fit in as a freshman, but maybe more of a special teams player. If not, you know, just an outright red shirt. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a stacked room again. What, what do you guys think of running back? Or that Nuru? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, we, we got what we got. We got three guys, and that's about it. You know, if there's some development there, you know, you feel a little bit better that, especially if the line is developed too, to help block mm-hmm. and open up some holes for those guys. Because I think there's some talent. Horvath surprised me a little bit last year with, mm-hmm. you know, deceptively a little deceptive, but uh, impressed me at times, um, especially when he's leaping over guys. And yeah. uh, you know, if King Daru can stay healthy, I think there's you know a chance he could be a, a really special kid there as well. So. Yeah, hopefully uh, there's a little more depth there and a little more uh, development. And I mean, we need that to help open up the passing game, I think. So, mm-hmm. hey, so I'm this, go ahead, Andrew. No, this is a big year for the running. I mean, they've invested a lot in it with two offensive line coaches. And, mm-hmm. and Brown's been talking about it for two years, but we have to be better in the running game. So it's kind of like time to show it. I, I yeah. think this will be Brahms' best offensive line. But what I'm concerned is the depth. They've had tons of injuries already in the offseason. A few guys – kind of quit their new football career. Um, I'm just worried if a few of them get nicked up, I don't know how much depth behind there that are ready to come in and play right away. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was, was going to say, uh, I'm also, Adam, I'm also a Bears fan. So I often sometimes see some some uh, parallels between Brom and, and Coach Nagy and the fact that they're both very quick to give up on the run game if it's not working right away. So I, But for both teams this year, I'd like to see both coaches maybe attempt to run the ball a little bit more. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, like you guys are, we kind of already mentioned the defense a little bit. It'd be interesting to see they take a huge turn for the better uh, this year with all the changes on the staff wise. And hopefully that translates to some changes, better changes on the field. And of course, Carl Leftis will play a huge role in that as well, starting putting pressure on the quarterback as well. So it'll be hopefully a, a good year. It, it, I think it should be at least 
um, interesting, uh, at least more exciting to watch. And, you know, we got uh, maybe overexcited when we started 2-0 last year and then we just kind of fell off from there. But again, last year, I, for me, I just kind of throw that out and was just thankful to have any football last yes. year. <laughs> Absolutely. As we mentioned earlier, the Michigan thing, I mean, the wheels fell off for both my <laughs> last year. So it was at that point. But I, you mentioned the Bears. I'm a huge Bills fan. So I at least okay. had something to root for last, uh, last year. There so. you go. So that it should be good. pretty good again this year. So. Yes. Yeah. So there's some, there's a, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for football to get here. So that's for <laughs> sure. Well, we should mention another fall sport because Purdue football is obviously huge and the big moneymaker uh, on campus. But there may be a better sport uh, happening this fall, returning this fall after playing winter last year's summer, spring, whatever you want to call it. Spring, yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, Purdue Volleyball, I think pre-ranked number eight or top ten at least uh, mm-hmm. this year. They actually start in a couple days here on Friday night, kicking off their season. Uh, it's exciting. What do you guys think about Purdue Volleyball? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're really good. I was obviously following them pretty closely last year throughout the tournament and watched the, the loss to Kentucky, which Kentucky, that team was, oh. wow, they were stupid good. What I just think is crazy is that, you know, they're, they're ranked eighth, but yet there's like three or four other Big Ten teams in front of them. Yeah. So it just, just shows how, how stacked the Big Ten is and – when it comes to volleyball, but yeah, I mean, I'm, we're all huge Dave Shondell fans just from as a coach, but also just as a, a an advocate for Purdue sports and just what a cheerleader he is for their sports. So it's yeah, definitely a sport that deserves much more love than they already get. Um, so hopefully people pay a lot more attention this year, Yeah, especially now that we can get fans back in Holloway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, sure. I remember going to some, my freshman year, Purdue, oh, I wanted to say made the lead eight. I think they lost to Texas. I mean, made it really far, and just going to those games were so was so fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I gotta think I haven't. I gotta say I haven't been to any other volleyball venues, uh, collegiate venues around the country. But I gotta <laughs> think Purdue's one of the best, if not the best, in the country. And and like Evan said, uh, Coach Dave Shondell, what a great representative for the university. And I'm so happy to today to see that he got a four year contract mm-hmm. extension. That's uh, really well deserved. Yeah, for sure. He's, he's one of my favorite people, period. I, I, like, mm-hmm. I love, I've had him on the podcast twice, including he was my last episode uh, as well, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah, incredible guy. I mean, this guy deserves a lifetime contract. For oh, absolutely. absolutely yeah. He is awesome. Like you mentioned too, he's, he's such an advocate for the other sports, always promoting the other, the other squads as well. And that's really awesome to see. And just a solid uh, stand-up guy as well. I mean, can't say a negative thing about him. And man, when I was talking to him, you know, they returned, all 16 players from last mm-hmm. year. You had four freshmen, including <laughs> Colton's daughter. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's exciting. And but you mentioned too, the Big Ten man, it, yeah. Big Ten volleyball is, is is solid, stacked. And you know, we talked about the benefit of playing a, uh, a non-conference schedule this year, which they didn't have last year. You just it was all conference games. So, mm-hmm. but he also mentioned their non-conference schedule ain't easy either because. <laughs> The collection committee looks at a uh, strength of schedule, especially for volleyball. It's really significant there. So uh, he's like, our, our, it's not like our non-conference schedule is a breeze to ease into the big 10 season. So he, they, he yeah. take, takes the Jeff Brom approach and beefs the non-con up a little bit. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I that, think, I, I think all Purdue coaches do that. Painter beefs that. Yeah, Painter, the Painter's That's a big true. proponent of that too. Yeah. 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 I, you know, growing up, you know, I used to watch, you know, and, and, and still do loathe, you know, Michigan State and Tom Izzo, but, you know, I always, you know, as much as I don't really care for him, I always respected that Michigan State always had arguably the toughest schedule or non-conference schedule in, in, in college basketball. And then when Matt Painter kind of took that approach, once he got the team established, I was like, man, and we've seen some seasons where we took some, took some punches to the, the face, you know, in the non-conference and kind of stumbled, not I don't stumble, but, you know, kind of were bruised going into conference season, but then that pays off come tournament time, especially mm-hmm. – couple of years ago in 20 the, the final the elite eight run you know mm-hmm. people are you know kind of counting purdue out early on you know this year after oh, it was yeah i think they were what, six, <laughs> six, <laughs> six, <laughs> was, six and five or something for whatever reason that year i felt like weirdly just calm I was like eh, they'll figure it out it's fine and like these i know tanner was ready to <laughs> oh I, <laughs> to, I i remember <laughs> saying on the podcast i hated the team at six five i thought they were selfish and then <laughs> And then Evans tried to calm me down, and then look what happens. They end yeah. up winning the Big Ten and going to the lead eight. So 
What do I know? <laughs> I mean, that's the same thing happened with Michigan, Michigan State, as you said, Adam. It's like, you know, they'll go, like, they'll lose like three, four games in non con, or maybe they'll lose a couple games early on in the Big Ten. It's like, oh, you know, Michigan State's finally falling off, and then boom, they make the final four. It's just, it, yeah. yeah, it pays off in the end. They're so battle tested. They're, you know, prepared for the, the, yeah. the situation. So, yeah, I mean, that, that 2019 was at the tournament. Yeah, 2019 yeah. tournament. And, and yeah, six and five. And gosh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Chris. I want to say it was Chris Kramer. Somebody on Twitter right after that said, everybody just breathe. PJ. It was PJ. PJ, yeah. And, yeah. and then, boom. Because, yeah, that was the year after they lost all those guys. PJ mm-hmm. Dakota, uh, Isaac and Vince, and mm-hmm. everybody kind of wrote them off. And, you know, you know, I was kind of like you, Evan. I was like, okay, this is kind of a letdown. But I was also, yeah, not up in arms about it. And then, gosh, man, they turned around, especially, you know, once Carson started hitting, too. Because I know there was some struggle yeah. that year and frustration with the shot selection. But, any question that shot selection in the tournament, that's for sure. Yeah. He was on fire. So, oh man. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be, uh, um, it'll be an exciting time to see. Uh, yeah. With, yeah. We're, I guess we kind of got off of that with talking about the t- strength of schedule there. But yeah. So, hey, that'll make the uh, Purdue volleyball team ready and better. And they got some, and they got some great players on that team too. So, and they returned, I think, the, the all the seniors who elected to take that COVID year. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Huge. But there is a challenge. Coach Shondell and I talked about that. You know, now you got 20 players who are all probably at least deserving of, of playing, and you got to yeah. figure out how to get those best five or six out there on the, on the court. So, good problem to have, I guess. Good problem to have. That's for sure. So, all right. Well, let's talk about a little bit, a couple other things real quick here. Uh, Purdue basketball, it's a little bit away, but excitement and expectations are kind of uh, astronomical this year. So, <laughs> <laughs> not, not a good spot to be for a Purdue fan. Having expectations. <laughs> Not good for a Purdue fan. It, no, it's, it's, it's so exciting yet terrifying. <laughs> Cautiously optimistic, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, on paper, this is the most excited I've been going into a season since the 09-10 season, which yeah. was Robbie, Juwan, and Etwan junior year, when we all know how that ended up. Yeah. Um, don't have to relive that. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this could be the year that Purdue does something special. All the pieces look to be – beyond their at least paper, and then you're adding some very talented freshmen into the mix, Trey Kaufman-Wren and uh, Caleb First. So it's going to be interesting to see how they all gel and and then the lineups Painter puts out there. But you got to think Jaden Ivey and Travion Williams are – got to think they're probably going to be preseason first-team Big Ten, but I could see the voters putting one of them second team. But yeah. it's, it's going to be fun. I hope they do. I'll just get a little yeah. more fire into <laughs> them. So, yeah, it's, I mean, I think some of the, it's clickbait and I fall for it every year, you know, the way you make your early preseason polls for mm-hmm. the next season. I think you can correct me if I'm right. I think the highest we, somebody had us was five. I think, yeah, um, I think that's what I saw. So, I mean, that's also, I mean, it's awesome. We're getting respect, but I, have, I you know, I think I talked to Coach Painter or somebody or Elliot about this before, you know, I, I sometimes like when they forget about, mm-hmm. you know, unranked or whatever, and, and then you can just kind of use that as fuel, but. I don't know if the players are just locked in anyway, if they really buy read into that as well. So it's always interesting to see, but Hey, at least it does give us something to talk about and mm-hmm. uh, be excited about too. So yeah, it makes some, it'll be makes some great kind of preseason or pre big 10 season, you know, marquee games. I know we have North Carolina or in the tournament that we're in and either we, whether we win or lose, we play either Villanova or Tennessee, which we, yeah. we, we met both those teams in 2019 on the road to the elite eight. So yeah, there's going to be some, some great opportunities to kind of prove, you know, if we are ranked that high, when the rankings officially come out, you know, prove the reason we're, you know, prove, prove us why, why, why we should be there in the first place. Yeah. And, and like we talked about with the scheduling with how the tough it is, I mean, they're going to take their lumps like they always mm-hmm. do schedule those tough games and it could be kind of a good, good way to keep the team humble almost. I mean, they have that these big expectations coming in and be kind of interesting to see if they have a, a tough start. So maybe they lose a couple games the first few months, first couple months, and then, painter can kind of be like okay maybe you're not as good as you think you are and then it kind of re-motivates them refocuses them for crunch time kind of once they hit january and then they kind of turn it on like painter's team seems to do when they peak kind of end of february getting into march they kind of start peaking seems like so yeah i think there's probably you uh, can tell me if you uh, disagree but probably his deepest team he's had too uh with basically everybody returning um and then uh, outside of Aaron Wheeler pretty much and then yeah. bringing a couple of stud freshmen so managing again a good problem to have maybe but managing uh, playing time for everybody and 
again, the benefit of hopefully what we hope will be a normal year this year with a, you know, like a full non-conference schedule to, to iron out some of those wrinkles and stuff and just kind of figure out what the best lineup starting in your second unit. Cause he could, you really could actually have a full, you know, second unit this year if you wanted, you know, sometimes he starts to thin out the depth chart as the season goes on, but it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out as well. And one player that we haven't even mentioned, and I mean, he might be end up being Purdue's best player this year, Zach Eady. Hmm. Wouldn't that be oh, something? Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. <laughs> a guy who, you know, going into last season, I thought would maybe redshirt last year, and he became yeah. huge. And that probably doesn't yeah. happen if Matt Harms doesn't transfer, right? Right. Yeah. 100%. I was very concerned because, you know, Trevion had never really played more than like 18, 20 minutes a game. And now, with after Harms, you're like, crap, we're pretty thin down low without. And now I have to rely on a, a kid who's played basketball yeah. for three years. <laughs> yeah, he's big, but yeah. No, you, yeah. yeah, he's awesome. And they did, of course, he did well with Canada on the U nineteen mm-hmm. uh, circuit in the summer, and of course, um, Jaden and uh, Caleb can win that all too. So that was awesome experience for them too, guys. The for the three guys really to get to play in that, get some extra experience, and then Jaden and uh, Caleb getting to play some time together on some real uh, real time basketball as well. So. It's just, it's just wild in my head. You you mentioned how deep it is, you know, guys like a guy like Brandon Newman, I keep forgetting about, and he's going to be a key piece of the team. So I just, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many guys, like it's a great problem to have. Yeah. Brandon guy, like, like, like Ethan Morton, who, when he committed was like, it was a massive deal. And then obviously last year, you know, just because of his situation with mono and mm-hmm. not having a, a normal off season to really get into the system, he kind of just was kind of just a, a forgotten player really you know sometimes not even playing a whole game and it's like man, he could be really really good once he figures it out yeah he was a big time recruit for a reason so yeah 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 that's the thing i love brandon i love ethan too and those are two guys that you know i hope you know if they get lost in the depth chart a little bit they don't those aren't the guys who kind of check out and transfer because mm-hmm. they're players we need that on any given night as we saw brandon newman last year that could go off for 20 to 30 points if you know they're feeling it so yeah I hope that depth stays and those guys buy into, you know, Painter's system and his plan and just trust, trust the process because the, de- the depth is there and any player on any given night. Obviously I think Jaden and Travian are going to lead us this year, but you got other guys on there who could, like I said, on any given night, put up 20 plus. So, I mean, you had, you had a guy like Hunter who, you know, obviously like injury last year and he, I mean, yeah, I think with a, a non-injury and, you know, having time to actually, you know, condition and properly, I think he can be, I mean, he was not the hunter that we saw the year before last year. And I think he can be kind of back to his normal self where he can actually, you know, hit the, you know, be consistent with his three pointer and um, be the point guard that we need him to be. Yeah. And you guys mentioned, you had your uh, trivia episode in your last episode, you talked about the five guys who won defensive player of the year since 2000, I think, you know, Hunter, you know, the solid season could become the sixth this year. That'd be, be solid to see him. I mean, if he, stop you know stop the other team's point guard consistently mm-hmm. man that would, that would go a long way as well so well let's also talk about the future a little bit here miles colvin i don't know if you've been following the miles yeah. drama but it sounds like right now some good news that his him and his family have politely i think the words that politely declined yeah. the uh overtime elite or overseas elite whatever elite, you call it. Yeah, yeah elite overtime I, yeah overtime elite yeah i i have never heard of it before miles colvin so before, before he had this offer, I'd never heard of this league. I have no idea if they've played a game, if they're about to play games, who's playing in it. So I don't know about you guys. I wasn't overly concerned. It's, it's a cool honor for him, but I was like, that seems kind of crazy for him to just like, well, I'm just going to skip college and go do this, especially with who his dad is. Right. Those are the two reasons. I, there's two reasons I wasn't like worried about it, if you want to say worried about it. What a high school kids deciding to do? Um, yeah, yeah, his dad's Rose about Colvin, so there's no there's no concerns about money, <laughs> right? <there. laughs> and with the, the new NIL deal too, like he's mm-hmm. going to have an opportunity to make some money at, at Purdue, possibly. I, we can get into those that topic a little bit later yeah. if you want, but uh, so you know, I, I was like, I think at the end of the day, he'll he'll still go. I mean, his family loves Purdue. His sister's there now. His dad played there, so I felt like I don't think. If it was, I don't think the decision would be because of the money. It would have been some other reason if he did. Right. It. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was, I wasn't too concerned. Then I saw the dollar amount and I was like, I mean, that's, this is a reason to maybe give that a little second thought, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. but um, yeah, I think yeah, the reason you said, I don't know the fact that who his dad is, like I said, he's not, you know, no one talk about his financial, but I think he, I think there are, I think they're doing okay. <laughs> um, 
but then yeah, I think this other fact that they're just a pretty family, you know, through and through. I mean, like I said, his sister's been committed and now a freshman at Purdue, but she committed, I think, as a freshman in high school. So it's they are, you know, they bleed black and gold, which yeah. is awesome and cool to see. Yeah, sure. Uh, should we talk a little bit about uh, well before we move on, anything else about men's basketball you guys want to talk about? I'm just really freaking excited. <laughs> yeah. And I hope we I hope we get a full Mackie. Yeah. I think it'd be a, a real shame if Jaden Ivy doesn't get to experience a full Mackie yeah. when he posterizes somebody on the opposing team. Um, yeah, that's why, that's why I hope. And I, I know Tanner and I have talked about, and Tanner and I went to a, our first concert a couple weekends ago for the, and that was our first big event since COVID. And we we're both kind of like, man, the first time pretty runs out on Ross aid on a night game is going to be, I'm getting goosebumps right now. Just thinking yeah. about it. And I want that same thing for Mackie, yeah. which I know indoors can be a little trickier right now, especially being in the winter, but man, I hope we can have a full Mackie. And yeah, that's always, place to our advantage as well of course mm-hmm. yeah that, i hope so too i'm with you so should we dare we talk about women's basketball just a little bit here <laughs> there's, sure. there's a little Why bit of, i think that's yeah. uh, of course katie gerald's uh that's an exciting uh you yeah. know transition there uh bringing her back to the program she's obviously killed it at marion um mm-hmm. so i had her on earlier this uh summer and she i mean she's awesome so uh Excited about the future there. She's already starting to recruit well and mm-hmm. hopefully keep some of the talent around. I know some people left that could possibly do it another situation if you want to touch on that in a minute. <laughs> I was off the grid. I was off the grid last week. I went, I went down to Southern Kentucky and I come back and I'm trying to catch up on some things and I see certain investigation possibly going on and I was like, what did I what did Yeah, I we'll have uh-huh. to see what comes out of it, yeah. but it's not, not good no matter what. I mean, yeah. You, yeah. anything pops up like that, especially – I mean, that's putting Katie Gerald's in a tough position. You're already trying to learn, you know, the program recruit. This isn't what you need when you're trying to go out there and get the future players of your program. I mean, you know, I, I like how Purdue's doing that with Gerald's though. They did it with Matt Painter. It's worked out great. Yeah. Did it with Danny Hope. Didn't work out so well. Yeah. But uh, uh, even though I still could say he deserved one more year, but I, I'll get off my soapbox. Um, but no, I like I like the plan they got in place for her. I, I think – this team's going to take some lumps this year, potentially even next year, but I think she is the right person for the job going forward. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it's exciting to bring her back, the alum, back to the program. The other person on my list was uh, Austin Parkinson. I think Katie makes yep. a lot of sense. Of course, I, I love Austin. He's a friend of mine, but he's done such a great job with IUPUI women. And of course, he's a Purdue mm-hmm. alum as well. So I would have been happy to see that as well, especially for him. But yeah, Katie's brings a lot to the program. And of course, being a former Purdue women's basketball player herself, I mean, mm-hmm. she knows the program through and through and she played for Versa. So yep. uh, yeah, I can't wait. I'm excited to see what she does. I think, I mean, just, she's so active on uh, social media and just promoting Purdue every single day. So it should be, should, should be good. Hopefully we can return to the glory days. Of course I came as a freshman the year after they won the national championship. Mm-hmm. And then my sophomore years when we went back uh, against Notre Dame. Dame as well. So, I mean, mm-hmm. It's an exciting time. Actually, I won't go too far on this tangent, but when I was at Purdue, the men's basketball program was struggling a little bit. Women's was, you know, through the roof and those were included in the, the ticket package I had. So I actually went to like every women's basketball game while I was, while I was there. Of course, that was all during the Coach Curry era as well. And so it was exciting to watch watch that program play some pretty good basketball during that yeah, time. So, so you got to see what women go to the national championship game. You saw the Purdue men's go to the elite eight. You saw us go to a Rose bowl with football. Yep. And I got to see Daryl Hazel for, I got to see us go. I guess <laughs> we, we got to see my, us get last. In yeah. My junior year, and we, we got last in football. And basketball. Same that was my, ju- yeah. my senior <laughs> year. That was, well, I had Drew Brees my two, my first two uh, years. And that was pretty fun. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, my freshman year, you know, again, that was my first year really starting to follow and root for Purdue sports wise. And yeah, you know, our men making to the lead eight, I think lost to Wisconsin, what, three or four times in one season, which is mm-hmm. kind of unheard of. Um, and, you know, it's another small side sort of tangent. That elite A game, and uh, I guess it would have been March of 2000, uh, tickets to Third Eye Blind was at Purdue that night. <laughs> and so, <laughs> me and a friend were going over to watch third eye blind so we went for that game to get over before heading over to Elliott hall the music so i think it was kind of your experience obviously a little different than ours the fact that we grew up pretty fans but i think just obviously athletics aren't everything but i think having a really good athletic program or just programs can really do so much for your Purdue experience and really 
you know, keep you much more involved moving forward. I, I knew a lot of people, you know, in my classes that, you know, who didn't grow up the way I did in terms of being a, a, a fanatic, but, you know, you, I talked to them in class, like, Oh, you're going to the football game tomorrow. You're going to the basketball game. And when things were struggling, I was like, no, I mean, I'll go to the tailgate, but that's about it. And, you know, don't see them really posting anymore about, you know, Purdue moving forward versus other people who had you know, got to experience like my sister, who's a few years younger than me, she went to Purdue. She got to experience, you know, us going, you know, getting back to the tournament and kind of the very beginning of the Jeff Brom era, you know, some of those fun things. And um, it, it, you can definitely tell that those kids got to, you know, have a different type of fan than the kids who might have been, you know, when Tanner and I were going to school because of just the, just the the timing of everything. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, like we said, so hopefully uh, women's basketball gets back on the right track. As we're kind of wrapping up here, I just want to throw a few topics out of a uh, uh, more recent note. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw. Just curious your thoughts on the uh, Purdue Pete. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Maybe I'm first off, our, our mask got to train, so they're they're wrong there. Yeah. Um, but I don't disagree. I will say that <laughs> he can be a little creepy. Yeah. He's third better, is he's... Uh, third is bring back Rowdy. That's my. I was, oh, he's better <laughs> than you. Rowdy. Oh. I loved Rowdy. That yeah, was bring, back, I bring him back. When I was at the basketball oh, game, he oh. came out during a timeout and turn over and get on his yeah. jump and down on his head. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. know why that went away, and I. You know, maybe we should. No, I, I miss. We gotta have Purdue Pete and the Notre Dame Leprechaun fighting again. That's what yeah. I'm dealing with. That back. We haven't had that in a while since now. Notre Dame. No, no, no. Duck in Purdue. I think they're scared. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could be worse. It could be the Purdue Pete Cabbage Patch looking addition they brought out in 2011 <laughs> spring game. It lasted for a week after the Eesh. university showed out tons of money on it and it got i was at that spring game <laughs> it, the loudest ovation of the day was it getting booed it got I mean, carson carson wiggs made like a 69 yard field or something absurd that day the boo of purdue Pete got a louder ovation than that. <laughs> well that's funny I, like i mentioned i was on vacation last week and i come back first thing i hear when i walk in the door yesterday afternoon was sorry about purdue Pete," and i was like <laughs> what happened i was like what like get in trouble what you know what, what happened they get get rid of them like oh creepiest mascot in america i was like oh well first of all yeah uh train uh and uh yeah. there's some yeah. there, there's I, I can see it yeah there's some I can oh yeah see it. the, the sunken eyes it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah anyway we'll move on from that uh you guys following the uh, name and likeness and where do you, uh, you know some brief thoughts on that I think it's long overdue. Um, it's, it's just funny to see just some of the the wacky endorsements that the Simmons kids are doing. I, mean, I think like as the kids are figuring out sort of the businesses, it's just like we're throwing up the wall and seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know uh, we're uh, our podcast is being sponsored by the shop in Indianapolis, a t-shirt shop and apparel shop. And they've done, I think they've gotten 14, 15 uh, student athletes from either Purdue, Indiana, Butler, I think even Ball State. We've got a Ball State football player, I believe. Um they're having a lot of fun with it. They said, I mean, this is their, they've cashed some decent little checks to these athletes, which is awesome that they're just making money just as, you know, off of their image and even doing things like being able to, which I kind of didn't realize was a, not even a thing, but like just having a kid being able to run a camp in his hometown mm-hmm. and being able yeah. to make money off that. Like the fact that they couldn't do that in the past is absurd. Um, but yeah, I think it's good. I'd be really interested to see where it goes. And I'd be interested to see, you know, what's the money's out there. Obviously you've seen headlines of, you know, the certain, you know, Alabama quarterback getting, you know, an absurd amount of money. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think obviously you're mostly going to see kind of micro transactions here and there for a lot of these kids as much as they want the big deals. Um, but it's, I think it's going to bring on some interesting situations. Yeah. Um, I was listening to another podcast and it's like, you know, what happens if a kid gets approached, you know, they go to a Nike school, but they get approached by Under Armour to, to do some deal, you know, what, you know, obviously the school has the deal with the one, brand and they have they but they're not supposed to be able to tell their kid that they can't make money off their their name so that'll be i'm sure there's and obviously the compliance office can give me a very much easier answer than what i'm thinking of but i just i'm looking i'm looking forward to some of the chaos that ensues um yeah i'd be curious that's anything what those agreements are because you think of okay like uh, the the Alabama quarterback who hasn't even started a game what uh like the the million dollar deal how many years is that is it going to go into okay you're assuming that he's going to be in the nfl and we want to be tied with you for the next 15 years and we're just going to do it now when you're cheap because you're a junior in college as a started a game yeah what the agent i don't know i'm, I'm kind of curious i also i was kind of i go back and forth on 
is this going to help or hurt Purdue or hurt, hurt a school like Purdue? And um, I know there was a, there was a basketball recruit from Lafayette. I, I, I can't remember his name, but he kind of talked about Purdue's pitch was that, okay, if you're local, you're going to have a better, better chance in a yeah. bigger name. Like your name is going to mean more in the state of Indiana than it is in the state of North Carolina or Florida or something like that. So you're going to get a better deal theoretically. So I could, that was like, okay, that's, that's a good pitch that sold me that, okay, stay local, stay close to home. So I'm kind of thinking maybe it helps Purdue keep some of those local Indiana guys. But again, I usually have the same pitch too. And yeah, but uh, fan base too, but maybe it's, it's some of those guys that, maybe you're going to go to Ohio state to be uh, potentially a backup. And so, I mean, maybe start their junior senior year, but maybe come to Purdue and contribute as a sophomore. Maybe it's like, okay, I can maybe encourage them to try that. I don't know. So I'm kind of leaning towards helping Purdue. I don't know. Talk myself into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got, I've got mixed feelings because, you know, policing it, you know, like you mentioned, yeah. like, you know, if somebody who hasn't committed to a school yet, you know, gets offered by, you know, a business in the area of, I'm just going to throw out Bloomington or whatever, but you know, like says, you know, Hey, because it happens, come to the school, (laughs) (laughs) you come to the school, then we'll give you that deal. And where does that fall as far as compliance and recruiting violations and whatnot? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, you know, for me personally, you you know, mentioned, does this help or hurt Purdue? You know, I firmly believe, you know, let's say basketball, for example, that Matt Painter's run a completely clean program. And again, going back to Michigan, I feel like John Beeline was probably one of the cleanest coaches in America, you know, yes. so those teams who were, were doing it the right way and weren't, uh, you know, cheating to begin with, you know, I, I wonder if it hurts a program like that. You know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this kind of plays out. I know it's good for the student athlete. I, I agree with that. As long as we don't lose that student part of the student athlete. Um, so, yeah, it will be interesting to see how it plays out. And if it helps the kid, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. As long as, you know, it can be policed correctly. And I, I just hope that doesn't put more, on you know a coach painter or a coach Brom or whoever to have to police these things out for lack of right. better terms. So I did hey, hear kind of, was, I did hear a joke. It was funny. I was going to see who's going to be the first student to uh, be ruled ineligible because they are not paying taxes on these. Things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hopefully nothing terrible comes out of it. And of course, the NCAA may have to adjust or show some grace on some things too. I don't know. You know, like if you know if they can, somebody might say, "Oops, I didn't understand the." the letter yeah. of the ball. I don't, I don't, I don't know. So creating, creating a lot of headaches for the compliance office at Purdue and other schools, I'm sure. And for painter, I'm sure painter loses sleep over it and all the other coaches. That's what I was kind of curious as you brought it up, Adam. I was like, I wonder like painter runs a clean program. How much does this add to his job? Is it him? Is it, is he the one who's got to go out and kind of like entice these businesses in Lafayette or Indiana to say, Hey, come sponsor my kids to get me, help me get a better team and grow the name or something. I don't know. Yeah. Very, I'd be, I'd be curious to hear painters take on it or any coaches take experience, especially a few months down the road as they get through it. Yeah, I agree. Tanner, anything else to add to that? <laughs> I think both these guys covered all my thoughts. I just let them roll with it. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think it's good for the student athletes, but it's going to be interesting to see how the adjustments that are made to it as, as time goes on. Yeah. Jerry, I mean, another thing I heard on another podcast was like, you know, what happens kind of this whole policing thing causing headaches is like, you know, what if, you know, a kid who's being sponsored by a local car dealership and like, oh, we're shooting a commercial this time at four o'clock on Tuesday. Well, that's, we got, we got practice at, you know, four 30, you know, what's, you know, you losing out on money or, you know, losing the spot. Obviously, obviously you'd think that they would, you know, go to practice, but you never know. I mean, or skipping class or skipping. Yeah, exactly. There's student athletes. I had four classes. Yep. There's classes that late. Well, as we're kind of wrapping up here, I know a trivia is a big deal for you guys as well. I don't know if Dan or anybody's prepared any, but as you're kind of figuring that out, I did. Uh, I have two jerseys hanging behind me. This, this is my trivia that I brought to the table here <laughs> for you guys. I have two. Well, actually, I have three jerseys, but that one, uh, Coach yeah. Coach Golf sent me that one. It was pretty awesome. The Purdue baseball jersey over my right shoulder, your left. Uh, uh, side note: I love what Purdue's doing with their jerseys for baseball. Yeah. I think they've they've got some of the best jerseys I've seen. Yeah, so I got a football jersey behind me and a, a basketball jersey. I, I want to see. Who will be the first one to guess whose jersey that actually is when I got it, when that jersey became a uh, jersey for that particular uh, program? All right, so we got the number nine, the number nine Purdue football jersey. I'll see if you guys can get it before I even mention what year I bought it. Dorian Bryant. Robert Marv. Andrew? I was going to say, like, I think it's like a defensive end, like Ray Edwards or something. Uh, Ray Edwards, I think, was what, 10? 
Yeah. It's like 15, 10. 10. Yeah. Yeah. 10. Uh, Evan got it. It's Dorian Bryant. Yeah. I knew. I, I thought I was, I was going to different. Okay. Yeah. I was talking about that and st- I guess Stu. Stu. I like to pretend it's your jersey. Although Dorian was great too. Uh, I got it. I think I bought it in 2007, actually, yeah, after I was done at Purdue. I think I found it like for real cheap at a, like a TJ Maxx or something, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is a great place to find that kind of stuff. All right. How about the, this one might be a little trickier for you guys. Uh, the number three jersey behind me, not who you might I, think it is. I think I know who it is. Brett Busher. Evan? <laughs> oh, I don't even think about Busher. I was going to say like <laughs> Chris Hartley. <laughs> and it's, uh, I'm, you've got me stunned. Gosh. Uh, I was going to say Kramer, but I don't know. I don't know. Go with it. Why not? That, yeah, I'll claim it to Kramer jersey, although Tanner wins because, uh, Another yeah. another region rat, uh, Brett Busher. Yeah, yeah. I, got I that. forgot about Busher. Gosh, I think I bought that in two thousand three ish or so. So yeah, Brett Busher jersey there. Although a lot of when, greats have worn the number three. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's I, a I, when you, yeah. <laughs> college jerseys. I mean, other guys come through and wear those, and, and they can just say, "Oh no, it's this. That's this." Yep. Sorry, Andrew. Go ahead. I keep cutting you off. No, no. I just it's funny. You're thinking about that. Like when Tanner said Rob Henry from number nine, I was like, oh man. I said Robert Marv. Robert Marv. Yeah, Robert Henry. Yeah, she's the Rob. Yeah, that's awesome. Rob Henry did wear number fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. 15, yeah. yeah. Definitely not the greatest uh, foot producer. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's awesome. Did you guys? Did you bring any trivia to the table? I didn't have any prepared. Mm-hmm. I should have. Did not know. That's all right. As we're kind of wrapping up uh, here and running out of time anyway with the Zoom call here. So, hey, guys, thank you so much. Uh, for oh, thank you. you this, awesome. this crossover episode. It's awesome to kind of cross promote each other's guys' podcast. A reminder for my listeners who are interested now um, where they can find the, uh, the Boiler Breakdown podcast. Yeah, you can find us pretty much on any of your audio platforms. And then we stream live every week on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Boiler Break Pod. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Well, hey, we'll have to do this again in the future. Thanks, Adam. Awesome. Boiler up. Thanks.